If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read this quick. We're going to get through this message quick. But it's, it's not, uh, I think I told you all last week, the series that we did before on the Holy Spirit was so scriptural heavy, so theologically heavy. This one's a little bit lighter in nature. I'm doing it on purpose because you guys went through a bucket load in our last season. So Mark, chapter 1, verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. Are you guys there? Yeah? Okay. Uh, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were uh, in their boat mending the nets. Mending is not the right word there. They were actually preparing to go fish. They're not actually mending, like fixing their nets. They're mending as intending to get ready to go fish. And immediately, verse 20, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. All right, Matthew and Mark's accounts of these two stories. What's going on with this thing? Turn it down just a little bit, would you? Uh, Matthew and Mark's account of these two stories are nearly identical, but John adds an element onto this story that I think is important to understand. Is it still doing it? It's not doing it? Okay, cool. Uh, John tells us that before Andrew was a disciple of Jesus, you've got to follow me close on this, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. So we just read that Andrew and Simon are on the fish or on the shore. Jesus calls them to follow him. This is where that story starts, or, or this is where the story involves that, uh, that Andrew is a disciple of John the Baptist. There was a moment when John the Baptist and Andrew were together, and, and both of them see Jesus, and John the Baptist says to Andrew, that is the Messiah. Then Andrew looks at John the Baptist and is like, oh, I did, I did, oh, 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 that's, oh I, I don't know what that means, but that's important. You're, he's the Messiah. And so Andrew goes and gets his brother Simon, and they have their first conversation with Jesus. And this conversation is recorded in John chapter 1, and we all know the story, so we won't get into it, but it's a story where Jesus tells Simon that you will be called Peter. You all know the story? That conversation happened before what we just read in, in Mark. So what we think often that Jesus went to these people and just called them out of nowhere to come follow me, when in reality, Jesus had already had a conversation with both Andrew and Simon and said, hey, you are called Simon, but you are going to be called Peter. They had already had a connection with the one who was about to call them. Today, we are continuing on part two of our series, Share Your Story, and we are calling this one, Set the Hook. <laughs> when, when you share your story, you have to set the hook. I'm going to unpack what that means over the next 17 minutes here. Uh, our purpose here at Pathway is to what? Oh, I'm so glad you guys know this. Um, our purpose here at Pathway is... Believe, you, you just looked it up online, didn't you? Is to believe in Jesus, belong, be, become, and build. Okay, it's to believe, belong, become, 
and build. Andrew and Simon believed in Jesus. They had already had a conversation with him. Now Jesus was asking them to belong to his group. You see what we did there? Believe, belong. See, there's a, there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing around here. If they chose to follow Jesus, then they would become a devoted follower and they would... <laughs> you guys are getting it. Well, she's getting it. You guys are following <laughs> First century Jewish rabbis would gather a group of people around them, and that group of people would study underneath them. In the Jewish world, if you wanted to study the Torah, anybody know what the Torah is? The law, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Ephesians, and Deuteronomy, that's called the law or the Torah. That was the Bible that they had at the time. And if they wanted to study the law, a group of people would go to a rabbi or an individual would go to them and ask them, can I become your disciple? You would approach them and tell them you want to learn everything they know about the law. They would say, I will come and live at your house. I will do whatever you ask of me. I will serve you in any capacity that I can. But will you teach me the law of what you know? And then the rabbi would make the decision if they were going to allow that person to become their disciple. They would look at them and say, you don't look like you would make me look good. So I'm not going to let you come and be my disciple. They would tell the person, your family is a fisherman. Why don't you just go be a fisherman? You don't fit into the image of what I think a rabbi teaching his group of people should look like. This is um, a lot like what we would refer to today as an application. <laughs> when you want a job for a place, what do you do? You go fill out an application, you go turn in, and people who don't know you make a decision if you're going to work for that company or not. They had to basically fill out an application if they were going to be able to learn the law, if they were going to learn the Bible, if they were going to be one of the chosen, selected few. But Jesus comes along and changes that up a bit. Jesus comes and instead of requiring an application, offers an invitation. You see that? Application, invitation. Okay. We have zero record in the first century of rabbis of ever recruiting people to come. Jesus goes to where the people are at. Rabbis would be up on their high chair believing that they were better than everyone else and they would be choosing who would get to follow them and who would not be able to follow them. But Jesus comes along and said, Blessed are the weak for they inherit the kingdom of God. The rabbis would say, only I can show you the law. You're not smart enough to do it on your own. Then Jesus says, come follow me and I'm going to make you a fisherman so you can teach others the law. The rabbis would pick candidates that they deemed worthy to sit underneath them. And Jesus said, just come. Come as you are. It's okay. It's likely in research that both Andrew and Simon had gone to the rabbis and asked them if they could follow them and become their disciple. And the rabbis looked at them and said, you're not good enough to be my disciple. Fast forward a couple years, Jesus comes along and picks those two. The ones that the rabbis rejected, Jesus chose. The ones that the builders of the church rejected, Jesus says, I choose you to come be my disciple. So maybe there's something in there 
that you guys need to understand a little bit deeper that just because one person tells you no, Jesus tells you yes. I'll let you meditate on that. The, what we need to understand is whenever we begin to share our story, we have to go looking. Jesus went to where they were at. The, 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 the rabbis were up here. I'm going to go to the rabbi. Jesus said, I'm going to go to where the people are at. Jesus was looking for people who would follow him. He went to where the people were at. If you're going to share your story and become good at sharing your story, what do you need to do? Go to where the people are at. Jesus is on the shore and goes to Andrew and Simon and asks them to come follow him. In the book of Genesis, you know the story. Adam and Eve sinned, and because of their sin, they felt shameful, and they hid from God. And in verse, or chapter 3, verse 8 in Genesis, it says that God was walking in the cool of the day. God came looking for them, even though He knew they were hiding from Him. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 that there's a hundred sheep. One of them goes away. What does He do? Forget about the one? No, He goes and looks for the one. Jesus is looking for the one. God is looking for lost people to have a connection with. When Jesus called Andrew and Simon to follow Him, they had already met Jesus and had a pretty impactful conversation. He was said, you're going to be called Simon, now you're going to be called Peter. You will no longer be who you think you were. But when the Messiah says something like this, you don't know what it means, but you can assume it's a pretty big deal. Right? Because they both already had a connection with the one who was doing the asking, when Jesus asked them to follow him, it was asked out of a relationship. It was asked out of a connection that had already been made. The decision was not simply to come and help me move a couple of tables. Jesus asked them a big ask. And the big ask that he asked them was based upon a relationship or a connection that he had already had with them. I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, I could probably ask any of you in here to come help me move this keyboard over here, and every one of you would say, I'll, I'll help you. Or maybe at least I'll supervise, but I'll help you. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> he said, I'll help. And we would all be like, yeah, of course, we'll do it. But what if I asked you to quit your job? Quit your family. Quit everything that you know and come follow me. Every one of you, if you had a brain at all, would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> I need some details. I need what, what, what's the plan here? What are we going to do? How are we going to make money? How are we going to feed ourselves? How are we going to take care of the family? There would be a lot of questions that we would begin to ask. But Jesus said, come and follow me. Jesus went to where the men were at. And they already had a conversation with them. And because he had a conversation with them, he went for the big ask. When you're sharing your story, you need to know that you have to go to where the people are at. But also, the ones you share your story with, you will have established a connection with them. A while ago, both Lindsay and Susanna shared their story. How many of you feel, be honest, a little bit more connected to them because they shared their story? There was a common ground that you found. And once you found the common ground, there's a connection established. I'm going somewhere with this, so just follow close. There, I've got a family member. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I know somebody. 
<laughs> I'm going to skip that part because <laughs> it'd be all right. They, they are really big into open air preaching, like written books on open air preaching and open air preaching. You'll stand on a street corner and tell everybody you're going to, uh, you're a sinner, you're going to go to hell, you're going to die if you don't repent. And, and there's a level of that that works, but when you do that, you better carry the power of God. If you don't, then you're just wasting everyone's time and you're doing more harm than good. If you don't carry the power of God with signs and wonders and demonstrations, you're not fulfilling the gospel when you're doing that. Sidebar. But open air preaching is one thing. But whenever you come and, and you share your story with people, a connection is established. And once that connection is established, you have the ability now to speak into their lives. I think, maybe I'm wrong, I probably am, but I think because I've got a connection with you in here, you all know my past, you all know where I'm at, I could ask some of you to come and work for me, and you would say, okay. Because you know the success of my business, you know the money's going to be there, you know everything's going to get taken care of, you're not wondering, but I could put a blind ask out there, and you would probably say, okay. Why is that? Because you know me. Because you got a track record with me. Whenever you have an established connection with somebody, it gives you the right to speak into their life and then to listen to what you have to say and be more willing to go with you where you're going. When it comes to sharing your story, you have to care more about the person you are sharing the story with than you hearing your story again. <laughs> there are people that God has brought along your path because you have a story that connects with them. But here's the thing about your story. You can share your story all day long. But if you don't set the hook, get it? Set the hook. You miss out on what your story can bring. You become just a shared story. If you want to fulfill your purpose and what God has called you to do, you share your story and then you set the hook. You share your story and then you find your connecting point. You watch where their eyes meet agreement with you when you're talking. And then you ask them their story. You ask them what's going on. How does this connect to you? Tell me your story. And once you find the connection point and you guys have connected with each other, what do you do? Come with me to church. Let me pray for you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Because their story is missing one element that yours has. The God factor. Our story becomes our connecting factor. How many of you like to go fishing? Yeah, some of you? Yeah, kind of, sort of, okay. Um, many of you know the Riddles. The Riddles are in Wyoming right now. And he told me that Debbie loves to go fishing, trout fishing. And so on Friday, I texted him and said, hey, let me see some of those pictures of the, the fish that you're catching. He's in Wyoming. It's going to be beautiful. And he's like, man, I'm going to load you up later on. We're, we're getting ready to go out. I said, great. 
yesterday I texted him and said, hey, I don't have those pictures. Well, send me those pictures. And he's, he, he wrote back, I'm not as good as a fisherman as I thought I was. I don't have any pictures to send you. <laughs> all right, don't tell him I said that. Sorry, Mike. Um, all right, so it's, you tell me you like to go fishing. How, how many, let me ask you the girly question here. How many of you like to go fishing, but you don't like to touch the fish? <laughs> okay, and that, that's me. That's being me, just being honest here. Okay, um, I really don't have the patience to go fishing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I love being outside, but to sit there and wait for a fish to bite my line is just... I just don't understand that, and, and, and I don't really want to touch the fish. Um, but whenever I was a kid, we had an adult friend of ours, Mike, who owned this pond. And on this pond, uh, he had a, uh, what's it called? Like a, I don't call it a pier. That's what you do in the ocean. A, a, well, it's, it's like a board thing that came down to the dock. Like a trail, you'd walk down the wood steps to get to the dock. And this dock was hooked to these wood pillars and these steps. And on the dock, you could take these bungee cords off. And he had a trolling motor on the whole dock. And the dock was maybe like three of these or two of these carpet rugs and, together. And you could just unhook it and kick on that trolling motor. And you just zip around that pond and have all sorts of fun. And a friend of mine loved to fish. He loved it. And because he was a good friend of mine at the time, my best friend, he liked to fish. So what does that mean? I get to go do. I'm going to go fish. And uh, we would go out pretty often, what I consider often, I mean, like once a week. Uh, and like after six weeks of going out and, and going fishing together, um, he looked at me and was like, Taylor, I don't think you've ever caught a fish. I was like, well, I think you're right. Huh, that's weird. I don't know. I don't know, I'm just not as good a fisherman than you are. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a lot better than you are. You know how friends are. You can rag each other, give each other a hard time. And I said, uh, I don't know. He, he, okay. Well, the next week went by, and we go out and go fishing again. And he calls me up. He says, Taylor, I bought you a new lure. This lure, I promise you, you're going to catch a fish. What you guys don't understand or know, and what he didn't know at the time for those six weeks of us going fishing, before I ever met him out at the pond, I went and cut off all my hooks. <laughs> so I was throwing out a bobber, or no, not a bobber, a lure into the water, but it didn't have any hooks on it. So I had no intentions of catching any fish. I didn't, I didn't want to touch the fish. The fish is gross. And I had to find a way where I could go fishing with him but not get grossed out and not let him know that I'm a big wussy. And so I would cut the hooks off and I'd be out there, woo! <laughs> oh, there's one over there. It's about to bite. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't bite on there. And just reel it back in, just throw it out. Well, whenever he calls me and says, I bought you a new lure, I instantly broke out in a sweat because <laughs> I knew what that meant. <laughs> He got, got caught, catch, we caught fish every week. I, I was the only one that didn't catch the fish. So I knew something was about to go down and I wasn't going to be okay with it. So we go out there and I, we get on the pond, we get on the boat or the dock, we unhook it, we're going out there. We go way back in the back and there's all these trees and he throws it out there. I'm throwing mine out there hoping he forgot. He's like, oh, let me get that lure for you. And I'm like, okay. And so we hook it up and we throw it out there and I'm not joking. First cast. I'm like, oh, all right. So I'm just reeling in real slow. Like, man, this is a big one, guys. I don't know how we're going to get this one in. That line may break. So I'm already thinking, like, I can cut that line right here and he won't see me do it. 
And I'm just, and, and then he reaches in, he puts his pole down, he comes and helps me, and he reaches down in the water and grabs that fish out, and he hands it to me in the moment of truth. He hands me the fish. I'm not touching that. He, he's like, you're, you're not what? I'm not touching that. It's a fish. You're fine. No, I ain't touching that, dude. What, what do you mean? If what, we've been out here fishing for six I said, but I haven't caught anything in six weeks. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off in him. <laughs> you haven't been catching. He looked and he's like, I knew you weren't that stupid. I knew that you were. So how come you haven't been catching fish? And I said, look at my lure. I cut the hook off. <laughs> After he got off the ground laughing at me, we dropped the fish back in the water. He brought it back out. It is what it is. He's sitting there and he says, Taylor, you're my best friend. Don't you think I wouldn't have gotten it off for you? I said, well, yeah, but you were going to make fun of me. <laughs> and I knew you were because I would have made fun of you too. That's just how this works. And, and he's like, no. He said, for six weeks you've been out here faking fishing because you're my friend. I said, yeah. He said, well, not a good friend is what I thought we were because my friend would have known I would have been there for him. And seven weeks of fishing went down the tube just like that. And I said, man, I'm sorry, but I just didn't want to touch the fish. I said, because once you touch the fish, it starts getting messy. It gets nasty. They can sting you. They can poke you. You got to stick your thumb in their mouth, and it's gross. I'm just not doing it. And he said, man, you just keep catching those fish, and I'll keep taking them off for you. Don't worry about it. And what I learned was that if I casted my lure out there and I didn't have any means to set the hook, I wasn't really fishing. I was just hanging out outside with a friend. Whenever you share your story and you don't set the hook, you get what that means? Or do I need to finish it? You got to set the hook. When we share our story with people, when we share our story with friends, when we share our story, we don't want to set the hook because we're afraid of what, or we're fearful of what, or we're scared of what catching the fish might actually do for us. I didn't want to set the hook because I didn't want to cut the fish. I didn't want to touch the fish. I didn't want to be around the fish. I thought it was gross. They were slimy. They were nasty. They were messy. They were disgusting. They looked nasty. Look in your eyes. You feel sorry for them and you can't do anything about it. Like, I just didn't want to have anything to do with touching the fish. But all of a sudden, I began to realize if I didn't set the hook, I never went fishing to begin with. I was just hanging out with a friend and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a purpose that I have to live and that's to share my story and set the hook because when I set the hook, I've got to understand mess is going to happen. I'm going to get a little messy. When you start sharing your story, you cast your line into the water. Your story becomes the lure that attracts the fish. And if you don't have a hook on the lure, you don't really want to catch the fish. Because if you hook them, you're going to have to tend to the fish. 
I've heard people say, well, I don't want to invite someone to church because now I feel responsible for them. I don't want to invite someone to church because they'll see me worship God and I think that might be kind of awkward for them. We come up with excuses one after another why we don't share our faith, why we don't share our story. And the truth of it is, we're scared of getting a little messy. We're scared of what catching the fish might require of us. You see, when you catch a fish, you got to skin that sucker. You got to fillet, is that the right word? Fillet that sucker. You got you to gotta look that fish in the eyes and tell him you're sorry. Doesn't that sound a lot like the Christian life? We've got to remove some scales. <laughs> We've got to cut some things out of our lives. You've got to clean that thing up. Your life has a purpose. And that purpose is to share your story. To set the hook and it's okay to get a little messy. It's okay to keep getting a little messy. But here's the thing. Let's just be honest with each other. You've got to cast that line. You can't give up. You can't just stop. Just because your line gets stuck whenever you throw it out there on that tree doesn't mean you quit fishing. Just because you cast that line and the lure gets stuck in, in, in the tree. Does that ever happen? Yeah? What do you do? What? Quit fishing. Kevin quits fishing. Because he would have been out there with me. We wouldn't have been fishing at all. I'm right there with you. But when your line gets stuck in the tree, you go and try to get it. If you can't get it, you cut the line and move on. See the light bulbs going off. A little bit late, but they're going off. When you're sharing your story, there's times your line gets stuck. If they're not receptive of it, cut the line and move on. You planted a seed. Some other fisherman's going to come along later and get that lure and see that shiny thing, and they're going to pay the price to go get that lure. Because hey, that's a $12 lure. It's a lot of money to people who fish. That came out wrong, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying fishermen are poor, but I'm just 12 bucks for. <laughs> Don't waste the 12 bucks. There you go. Cut them suckers all day long. I could care less, man. <laughs> Somebody else will come along and get that lure. You planted a seed. Just because you cast your line and that line, you've, you've seen that rat's nest happen, gets all tangled up, and you sit there for an hour and try to untangle it. Cut the line and move on. When you share your story, you can't give up just because your line snaps, just because you break the, uh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe you casted that line and you caught the fish and you started reeling it in and that fish somehow jumped off the hook. That happens too. Does that mean you quit fishing? No, you keep fishing. You keep going after him. You keep casting that line. You keep sharing the story. You don't give up just because it doesn't work out one, two, three, four, 150 times. Fishermen will cast that line 5,000 times. They don't give up. They keep fishing. What's God called us to do? To fish. Does He say to keep fishing or does He say quit? 
I'm going to say something kind of bold here, but I'm going to prove it in the Bible, so just follow me. You can't call yourself a Christian if you're not casting your lines catching fish. <laughs> Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. If you are following Jesus, you are fishing. If you're not fishing, you're not following. That kind of got quiet in here, huh? Step on your toes a little bit. Mine too. If you're truly following Jesus, Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. I am truly following Jesus. I am fulfilling my purpose on earth when I'm fishing for men. I'm going to put that in there for you because you might take that the other way. When you're fishing for men, <laughs> not just going out and do some deep sea fishing or whatever. I'm doing what God called me to do. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> when you're fishing for men, when you share your story, Last week we talked about writing down your story. I want to, true, true, anybody work on it outside the two that shared today? Yeah? No? Yeah? Maybe? Yeah? Okay. You get a bye because you were over here with the kids. So I'm not, thanks. <laughs> our, story, our, our, our stories connect each other with each other. Our stories connect each other with others. If you're not sharing your story, well, you know where I'm going with that. As you share your story, you're casting your line in the water. But as you share your story, you got to set the hook. Because if you cut the hook off, <laughs> you don't catch any fish. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.